I couldn't be told um, who I was. Yeah. That was something that I had to work out on my own. Like I came out to my wife and she's like, yeah, I know. Mm. Almost like, like that moment in like this Star Wars film, I love you, I know. Welcome to Breaking the Binary, brought to you by women and gender diverse people in tech, where your hosts Arden Jarrett and Sarah Fraser. And today we're really excited to get to know Arden Cassie. But first off, we'd like to acknowledge the Awabakal and Waramai people who are the traditional custodians of the land where we're recording today. We pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to all First Nations Australians on whose traditional lands you are listening from today. So, of course, thank you to our sponsors, including Nui Tech People. Woo! <laughs> the Port of Newcastle. Yippee! <laughs> MGA Thermal. We love them. <laughs> and Frazdeck. A really swell bunch. <laughs> Is the, the pre-scripted <laughs> follow-ups that Arden wrote for me. <laughs> Not quite as natural as I thought you'd make it, Sarah. <laughs> I don't know what you thought I'd be capable of doing natural. <laughs> um, so I really want to know what you've been up to recently, Sarah. What's your current hyperfixation? What are you loving? Um, I kind of have two at the moment. On Saturday, I tried to make a corset out of um, some old curtains. Yeah. And I've also gotten into flower arranging because I spent about four weeks oh, drying flowers. Dry flowers. Yeah, in my laundry. And my partner wants the laundry back, so I had to do something <laughs> with them. Um, so I've been arranging them into to vases. I've just thrift shopped a bunch of vases, and now I have flowers all over the house, which Beautiful. is nice. That's four weeks is such a perfect time to completely forget about something. Oh, yeah. Well, they're in the laundry, so I never see them, but he does the washing, so he does a lot. <laughs> Sorry. Good on him. What about you? I've been, if you know me in my everyday life, you would have known that I went to Blacktown Medieval Fair um, mm. the weekend before last. And yeah, that was amazing. I made like my whole costume and um, people kept like stopping me for photos. Anyway, big ego boost. And I also <laughs> have now decided that there's usually costume competitions and I didn't go there to win because I didn't realise there was one, but next time I'll go to the, there to win. Nice. So, go with a winning energy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm also in my nail era, so um, growing out my nails and painting them neon colours. That's a lot of fun. That's probably going to last until my $130 nail kit arrives yeah. at the end of the week. And then you decide, actually, I'm over this. In the cupboard you go with the rest of the yeah, failures. I'm a bit worried I'll use it once. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get on to the interview. Um, it's amazing to meet another Arden today. I can't believe I've met another Arden. <laughs> yeah. This is awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Um, first off, let's ask some rapid, quick questions. What are your pronouns? My pronouns are she, her. What's a random fact about yourself? Uh, so many to pick from. Oh <laughs> Where do I start? Uh, um, I, random fact. I can play lots of instruments. Oh, Musical cool. instruments, I what, guess. What's the lineup? Um, violin, saxophone, guitar, bass, and then I decided to major in voice instead at uni. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Learned all these, and you're like, nope, stuff that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. That's it's crazy because, right. like, I also play violin. I mean, not lots now. I oh just my God, grew up playing violin. Yeah, actually, also same. Yeah, <laughs> um, it gets pulled out like once every. Four months if I'm lucky. Yeah, I like can't believe that I have any skill at all because I'm like, I don't play 
regularly and then on the off occasion I do pull it out I'm like how does this still it's a little work? bit like riding a bike yeah I did right, learn violin right. when I was in year eight do you reckon I can still do it <laughs> <laughs> yes how Sarah. long did you play for I did for about two years okay yeah. but my teacher did say you would be so much better if you actually practiced and yeah. I said well that's too bad <laughs> Look, I had that same problem and mm. instead of not practising, I have trauma instead. Oh, yeah, so nice. too much? Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you relax on your days off? What do you do? I don't really relax. There's <laughs> another one. So, <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've um, like, I, went, I sat down to play some video games on the weekend and then probably played for like two hours and then went, I could be doing something useful. Mm. With my life instead, and so then often went off and read a book, or, mm. or like I'll go, oh, actually, I need to pre- prepare for that gig that I've got next weekend, which I ended up doing. Uh, but I do enjoy running and roller skating. Nice, yeah. Roller skating. There's a random fact. Yeah, we got one. <laughs> Circle back around. <laughs> so, what is something that you're proud of? Oh, um, I, I'm. The first thing that came to mind was I'm proud of me and I feel like that's really... That's allowed. Yeah. That's, that's really <laughs> intense. Ooh. Yeah, no, um, I um, have come a long way to get to where I am now and to be me and to be honest with myself and to, and to the rest of the world and um, that's taken a lot of hard work and I'm, I'm in a really good place with that at the moment, so... Yeah, I love it. I, in a previous episode, um, Trisha Martin talked about how um, there's like this theme on dating apps to be like, oh, I want someone who doesn't take themselves too seriously. And it's like, no, like take yourself seriously. Like be proud of everything that you're doing, you know? Nah, don't take myself seriously. Uh. <laughs> like <laughs> like I, um, I remember deciding at a, like I must have been like 10 years old or something mm. and I decided that I never wanted to lose the ability to laugh at myself because if oh, I yeah. did, then I'd become boring. Mm. And so I am a total dog, mm. but I embrace that. Yeah. And, yeah. It's, and that doesn't stop getting in the way of the other bits and pieces about, you know, being serious is about knowing when to be serious and when you can. Just hang loose. I always think it's um, amazing when you yourself think you're funny and that's all that's required. Because <laughs> if you can make yeah, yourself look, laugh. If, if, if people are laughing at me or with me, generally I don't mind as long as it's not my own expense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, well, that's the end of our rapid fire questions. Reasonably rapid this time, so good work. Thank you. Um, yeah. Do you work in tech? I know already know the answer to this, but I'm going to pretend that I don't. What do you do? Um, mm. cu- currently, I, um, I'm actually teaching mathematics. Um, I did previously spend some time working in tech. Um, and even though I'm not working in tech, would you believe that I am the go-to tech person in the office anyway? Yes. <laughs> as soon as they know how you, like, if you know how to turn on a computer or a printer is screwed. This is why you <laughs> you're the go-to don't. tech person. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it would be amiss if I didn't say that I was like it was only a couple of weeks back that I was on the phone to our to this to the school's MSP about um, how one of the switches was down oh. <laughs> and diagnosing that problem for them. Nice. You know, cuz <laughs> well, I was here and I knew how to knew how to pull up command line and run IP config and so here I am doing the thing cuz well, I can. <laughs> so why did you leave the tech field initially to go into teaching and and how are you thinking about that journey mm. so far? Well, I've actually done I did it backwards. Yeah. So I um 
I studied teaching um, because both my parents were teachers and my mum's parents were teachers. So I was just, well, I guess I'll go into the family business. Don't know what else <laughs> to do with my life. Um, and um, did that for a couple of years, had a really good time, but had to leave uh, because I am gender diverse. Um, and the employer I had was not going to be down with that. And so I had to make a very difficult choice and found myself uh, working in an IT firm, which was awesome, had a really good time and went from knowing nothing to doing a whole lot more than I ever expected I would. But there was a part of me that was always like, well, you know, if I, um, because I left teaching in um, not ideal circumstances, there was always that part of me that was like, what if, like, what if I didn't have to have left teaching because of needing to um, be myself and those sorts of decisions. And so that sort of fell me back into teaching, really. Awesome. And was it everything you thought it would be? Are you loving it? Was it a more uh, welcoming I, I wish I could say that. <laughs> uh, right. My whole podcast about my career was like trauma, trauma, trauma. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's, been, there's been parts that I've really, really loved. Yeah. And there's other bits that have not worked out the way that I had hoped or expected. Uh, and so I'm sort of in no man's, feeling a little bit in almost in no man's land at the mi- minute, not knowing where I'm going to land next. Was there anything that um, that made you realise that you had to, like, make a change to be yourself? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, like the, there's the, I mean... You know, I grew up in a no, it's fine. Yeah. I, I grew up in a conservative, like religious household. My parents started a church, and amongst other things, grew up mm-hmm. in a very church town. Um, and so that was, you know, I spent about twelve years trying to unlearn that those internalized homophobias and transphobias I had of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but effectively, it took me a lot of time to learn to listen to myself and learn to love myself the way that um the way that my wife at the time did Mm. and um eventually i got to a point of well my options are be true to myself and be ardent or not be living anymore and so you know well you make the choice that keeps you alive because yeah. that's important. Yes, it <laughs> Sorry, is. Sorry, that got really heavy really oh, fast. Number yeah. one priority. Like, you know, let's stay alive. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it's being alive is pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. <laughs> I didn't know it was as good as it could be at the yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a year or two later I got to this point where I, like music has always been a big part of my life. Like I did start playing violin when I was four years old, for goodness sakes. Mm. Um, like it's just, so at the same time I was learning to like, read and write was the same time I was learning music. And so it sort of, it feels like an alternate language to me that I just, it's, yeah, it's just such a core part of me and the music is just permeates me. So a year or two later after um, coming out and starting to affirm my gender, like I had this moment driving to work and I was just like, wow, my soul feels like it's singing for the first time. It was insane. Mm. Mm. And then, you know, a couple of years later, I had this, I had another follow-up realisation of, I think I'm not depressed. Mm. That's always nice. And And then once that sunk in that I was like, oh, I'm not depressed, then I was like, when was I not depressed? Yeah. And then you go, oh, 
oh, okay, mm. this is pretty awesome now, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, like I said, like I sort of back to bringing it back around to when I was like, I'm, I'm pretty proud of that journey that I've taken to get me to where I am now. And it's given me so much more capacity to, to continue to grow myself as a person. Mm-hmm. I think that that's, that's something that my um, lecturer at university was teaching us as um, aspiring teachers at the time was to embed these processes of um, evaluation and review and self-improvement in the lessons we teach. The idea is you should never teach the same lesson, a lesson the same way twice mm. because there's always something you could have done better and always something to, always a lesson for yourself as the teacher to learn about what lesson you taught. And, um, well, I accidentally applied that to my entire life. <laughs> uh, so it didn't, wasn't just, didn't just become about, oh, teaching classes and teaching lessons. Mm. It became, well, I adopted that entire journey of self-improvement and self-evaluation to my entire life. And being here now where I am, a big part of that is because of those things that I've done to get myself to where I am now. Yeah, should definitely be really proud of that. I can see why that was your first answer. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So how did you find, just taking it back to when you got your, so you left teaching and yeah. you went into this uh, tech company. How did mm. you find, so did you learn most of that stuff on the job? Did you do any kind of like informal or formal teaching at the time? I mean, I've got to confess, like I grew up in a very computer household um, as a kid. So, you know, I like we had my dad was also had worked as an I you know in software as well um, back in the late nineties, early two thousands. He actually he actually legitimately worked on the Y two K problem. <laughs> like no joke, he actually like worked on that, which is like Super cool. It's yeah. crazy to me that everyone just didn't know if the world was going to stop. Like from all the computers, they were like, not sure if it will like click over in the into the two yeah. thousands. <laughs> yeah, we might end up in chaos. But we'll because just it, see. But because it, uh, because <laughs> that never happened. Every like, let's call it the normies think it's, it was a total hoax. Mm. It's like no, actually, real people <laughs> did real work so that everything worked post. 1999. Um, yeah. But yeah, so my dad was working in IT. So I grew up in a house with lots of computer, computers. Um, I, was teach- I, I was teaching my mum's friend how to use a computer when I was eight years old. Oh, goodness. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, recently, she recently messaged me like last week and went, oh, I remember when you were like five and teaching me how to use a computer. And I was like, I think I was pro- at least eight, but <laughs> thank you. Um, you know, so computers have always been something that comes naturally to me. I'd worked in like audiovisual production, uh, mostly on the visual side, um, making um, computers running like Windows 2000 to connect to a projector. Uh, <laughs> the good old days. When I was in primary school, like when you had to go back into the display settings and manually turn on to tell the computer that it's connected to a projector, like computers were always something I'd done and like poked around with, mm. like. I was in. I was um, teaching, and I was bored. I was like, "Oh, you know what'll be fun? I'll teach myself how to code." So I went over and 
taught myself how to code and I was like, well, you know, Python seems lame and easy. So let's try, <laughs> let's learn to code in C. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm team Python. Uh, <laughs> hashtag like, team Python. <laughs> like, like, no shade. I just was like, let's pick a really, really difficult one. Because yeah. sure, uh, that makes sense. Um, you know, so I've done that. So computers always been in my life, but had nothing formal to my name. Um, so when I found myself with this organization, you know, I did start at the bottom because I didn't have any, have any formal training. And I was like, well, you know, I can, if you can convince 30 students to get some level of excitement about mathematics, I think you can manage to handle one grumpy customer on the phone who's unhappy about the uh, particular functions of, their, of your software. Um, so I started at like first line support, you know taking those phone calls and emails and it's very depressing in support sometimes. Like <laughs> no one ever calls, no one ever calls to go, hey, just what do you know? We used your product and it's just really awesome. It's mm. always fantastic. It always works. Mm. You only ever hear about how it's like broken. Yeah. So you end up getting this distorted, I think you get this distorted view of just the software's rubbish. It must always be if broken, I, if, yeah. if everyone's, <laughs> if I'm always taking phone calls of it always being broken, then I can't believe that people actually use this. Like, how do people live with this? There you go. Everyone rings support just to tell them that they're yeah, doing a great job. Yeah, you know, if you've got a support, support person that is <laughs> really in. good, just, just give them a call. Just go, hey, just check in. Just let me, just check it in. Make sure you're okay. Just want to tell you that it's actually really great. Yeah, that's I'm it. I'm so, like, conflict adverse. I'm always super nice to support people. I'm like, let me know if it's me. It's probably <laughs> me. But if it is broken, here's the problem. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm very, like, I've already restarted my browser. I've already tried a different browser. Mm. I've already restarted my computer. I've already again. tried the yeah. app version. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's the whole. It, it infuriates me when um, something works when you turn it off again, on and off again. Yeah. Like, yeah. There is no logical what reason this change? should work. <laughs> There's no reason this should work, and it did, and I'm very annoyed. So all I do for internet problems, I'm like. Clear your cache and then talk to me. Clear again. your cookies and turn the router on and off. I again. think you're gonna have to show me how to do that, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> I work in marketing. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> I'm the IT support I for my team. I don't work in marketing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, that's sort of where I found myself, and um, I couldn't help myself but um, get interested and get excited about like working on things and fixing things for people when I could. So, you know, someone would call up and go, oh, I've got this problem over here. And, well, I was sitting there going, well, I mean, I'll have a look at it. How hard could it be, right? <laughs> Famous last words. <laughs> That's like starting this podcast, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Like, It'll be easy. <laughs> a couple of months later, I sit down with um, one of the managers and like, so um, there's this product we've had for a, a bunch of years and um, no one in support's had the knowledge to support it for a bunch of years and we'd like you to learn how to support it and bring support of that product back into the support team. And I went, oh, okay, sure thing. How hard could it be? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Data warehousing was a time. <laughs> and so, you know, hop, skip and jump later, you're, you're debugging like 100 line SQL queries and Fun. and then bits and pieces and then they're like, oh, um, we need you to go help the professional services team for a month. And so I went and helped the professional services team overhaul their entire um, ticket management and reporting procedures because 
I saw it could be done, and I was like, well, this will help. I actually just did it because I was going to make my life easier and I was lazy. And then they went, wow, this is really awesome. Would you like a job working for professional services? I'm going to move to professional services. This is great. And, I think that's how a lot know. of innovation happens, being like, how can I make my life easier? We're look, smart, not hard. Yeah. Look, Excel is not supposed to be a database. No. But I tell you what. I turned Excel into a database. <laughs> That's nightmare material. Like, like, you hit refresh on those queries and all of a sudden, four gigs of RAM disappears. <laughs> you go on and make yourself a coffee and you come back and you've got your report of what you need to ask people to do for you today. You know, so I did that for a little while and was reporting to the, all of a sudden I was reporting to the COO and I was like, oh, this is, and then I was like, well, you know, this is nice and I'm doing, doing lots of like, telling um, other consultants and other IT techs what to do, and that's nice, but actually I would like to get my teeth into fixing more problems and solving mm -hmm. more things, and so moved over into technical and was sort of working the back end of software infrastructure, Windows, Linux, you know, all the fun stuff. And, um, yeah, so that was really, really good. And then eventually got to that point of the, the idea of the what if I never had to leave teaching came mm -hmm. and that plays on your mind a bit and I was sitting around going well look I feel like I've gone as far as I can with this organization and feel like I might be worth a little bit more than what I'm getting uh, and so yeah I made that jump back into teaching how did you yeah. find um, going back into teaching after a stint off um it was yeah <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, it's been, um, it was really rewarding and really fulfilling. Like mm. that connection. I think I sort of came out, I've got to this point of going, well, you know, whilst, whilst my formal qualifications is as a teacher, like it, it's bigger than just telling people how to do maths. Like I never got into teaching because I wanted to teach people, teach people how to do specifically maths. Teaching was always bigger and broader about helping people be better people and preparing young people for life post-school. But also I kind of see myself now more as, as a communicator. Yeah. Like one of the things that I fell, fell into, well, put myself into really um, post-gender um, affirmation um, in those um, early years was um, getting really involved in advocacy and activism for um, gender diverse people in the local area. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's then become part of what I do, and those all those bits and pieces stay with me. That's amazing. Do you want to tell us more about what you do in that advocacy? Yeah, sure. So at the moment, I am the vice president of Hunter Gender Alliance, um, and uh, we do all sorts of various things. Um, we we try and create spaces for community in the local area uh, for for people to connect because um, as a gender diverse person, like. It can be really isolating. You often find yourself falling down Google rabbit holes. Um, and you might find yourself stumbling into a doctor who's able to provide you support, uh, but still you can feel really alone. Mm. And um, I mean, that's a shame because um, there's so much to be learnt from people who have work, walked that journey and been in that space before, mm. but also to find um, people who are walking that same journey at the same stage that you are. Yeah. And so um, building those communities and creating those spaces is really important and valuable. 
Um, so yeah, that's one of the big things that we do. Um, we've worked a lot with um, health professionals to provide uh, training and support materials um, to better empower them to provide care to gender diverse um, people um, and some other bits and pieces along the way as well. So that's been yeah. amazing. Yeah, I love that. Even just um, like having in a way role models, but we always say you can't see what you can't. No, you can't be what you can't see. <laughs> yeah, and so right. that's like, and especially um, growing up with religious backgrounds, which you know, still happens yeah. a lot, you, you might find yourself in a situation where you don't know anyone who is how you think you are. Look, it and was very, yeah, it was really very hard to imagine myself growing up into being a trans person who had my life together and it wasn't a disaster mm. in the 90s and the, the uh, noughties when the people I was growing up looking up to were like the Australian cricket team yeah, or like footy players like and, you know, good for them and people people look up to them and that's totally fine. Yeah. But it just I had no way of seeing, no way to see myself in the world. And so one of the things that within that community creating and building, um, I see so much value into creating not just um, – one-dimensional communities, but intergenerational communities, um, whether that be connecting um, old people who are older people who are starting the trans journey, mm-hmm. or older people who did the trans started the trans journey back in the '90s, who I have so much respect for. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, because they've like, yeah, it's hard. It's not easy being trans, but like, tell you what, doing it in the '90s—that's <laughs> friggin' terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, or um, or families um, who are who are suddenly finding out they've got a young, their their child is gender diverse, and that's terrifying because as a parent you start to question, well, what's my child's future going to look like? And so then to build the communities, um, connections across older people who've been doing it for a while, and and young people who can look up and see, that someone like me, I know that would have changed my entire world and universe. Um, but also for the parents to see that, hey, actually their child is going to be okay and they can have a future as well. Absolutely. And be healthy and happy, yeah. All of that, love it. Amazing love it so to much. see that Amazing. impact. Yeah, so, so good. How um, Do you have any advice on how people would find doctors that can provide that appropriate level of care? Um, if that's not too big of a question. No, it's, 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 extre- it's an extreme challenge for the community at the moment. Yeah. Uh, it's a really big challenge, um, particularly because um, in the health space, a lot of um, me- medical professionals do have fears around um, if I provide this advice or support to someone, then I might get in trouble for it later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, especially because, um, especially it's way worse over in the US, the UK, what stories of detransitioners pop up from time to time. But the percentage of um, people who detransition, um, is, you're talking about 1%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 1% of people who access um, gen- um, care in this space um, have some form of regret. And it's not, it's not even like the people who do have regrets, it's not even. Even that group is splintered for regrets of, of different, differing levels for differing reasons. Yeah. Um, sometimes that might just be because um, 
they're in an abusive household yeah. where um, it's not safe for them to transition or, sorry, affirm their gender. I usually avoid using the word transition for a lot of reasons. But, yeah, it's like it's not safe for them to affirm their gender or that they're getting constantly hit with um, negativity around it. And it can be really hard to maintain that sense of self and strength of character when you're constantly exposed to those sorts of um, comments and thoughts and feelings. Um, so, but like your your regret rates on other healthcare interventions mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. astronomically bigger than one so percent. I've heard yeah. someone compare it as well, basically being like, I could go and get a face tattoo, and no one's going to make me have a psych evaluation when it could impact the rest of my life. Yeah. When it's like, how yeah. how is that? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> um, but I guess like, it's just the hoops that you have to jump through when you know already can be a little bit frustrating. I, I, I think now I might this my my numbers might be skewed, but like if the if there was a twelve percent like regret rate or mistake rate on diagnosing with people with um, diabetes, yeah, would we run and say, well, we should stop treating people for diabetes? No. <laughs> or will we say, okay, we need to get better at identifying people with diabetes mm. yeah, and yeah. supporting them to make the choices that are right for their needs? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, there's, if there is 1% of people who are regretting affirming their gender in a certain way or accessing a certain care, is it, well, then we should stop helping everybody or should we just address um those one percenters who are falling through the cracks, you know? Or, or yeah, have more education um, for all of the Absolutely. healthcare professionals, yeah. Like, I mean, I've, I, I think that part of, um, I think that gen- general societal conversations around gender diverse people have a lot, um, lot that's impacting this. Mm-hmm. Um, that I keep forgetting that um, people who don't have gender diverse people in their lives have an entire different set of language for talking about us Mm -hmm. than we do for ourselves. Like, um, which is just, I keep forgetting and it's wild to me every time I come back into it and go, oh, that's right, there's those words that (laughs) I would never have used. (laughs) You know, like that's not even something that comes to mind or like part of my language. Yeah. Um, But like, so for instance, simply like... um, getting access to HRT doesn't make me a woman or like I'm not going to finish transitioning when I get the surgery, you know, like these ideas about um, what the, what the journey, what the trans journey is or the trans formula or what the goal is or what that looks like is often really heavily medicalized. Like, if a five-year-old wants to, if you have a five-year-old kid and they say, well, I want to wear a pretty dress and I want you to call me this name, that's the beginning and end of the conversation. You go, if that's what makes you happy, okay. Yeah. You don't go, well, we better start getting you on some crazy medications and la di da di da Like, no, no, it's actually really simple. Yeah. And it's like the whole journey is much like that is that, there's been such a heavy focus on the medicalization of the journey that that's all that people think about when they think about trans people. But we're actually just pretty normal people trying to get along with it, get on with our lives. I think everybody, regardless of trans or not, is on a journey to understand um, 
better understand who they are and become more of themselves. Everyone's on that journey of um, affirming who they are. Yeah. Um, it just so happens that my journey to affirming who I am came with some fairly major visible changes. Yeah. But that's all it is. I just went, this is who I am and this is what I want to do to make me happy. So I did. Yeah. You know, if you go, well, I, I want to wear pants because that makes me feel happy. Cool. Mm. Mm. That's all it is. Yeah. It's just about respecting everyone. How, how do you go with having the conversation with people that might not, they don't mean to do you a disservice. They just literally have no exposure and don't know what the language is. Um, and, and can you tell when there's like, <laughs> um, always go with like focus on their intent. Um, mm. how, how do you discern whether someone has good intent but is just um, not as well educated as you'd like or whether they actually have. Um, their intent is to harm. Yeah. You can always tell. Yeah. Like I, I don't know if I have a formula for telling if someone's trying to be Spidey harmful senses. or just, <laughs> but I just, I just know. Yeah. And um, usually it's it's dependent on the relationship I have with the person. I think in general, I think we're really lucky in Australia to live in a country where for the most part um, people are very happy to live and let live. Like if this makes you happy, then cool. I think, and I don't think, I think most people don't get out of the bed and go, you know what, today I'm going to be a <laughs> to these people. Are we allowed you to know? say <laughs> Sorry, um, can I, can we edit that? Like, <laughs> That's all right. Um, last week I got bleeped. So. Yeah, right. Oh, you keep so, saying last week and I think <laughs> it's not last week. A few now. episodes ago. Yeah, like, like, like most people don't get out of bed in the morning and go, I'm going to be a pain in the pain to this person. I'm going to mm. cause these person, these people harm. Like yeah. most people don't do that. Mm. We'd hope not. Most people just don't have the language or the exposure to understand. And I like to blame the media for a lot of that. Mm. Um, and, you know, I like to think that by having these, having these sorts of conversations that we're even having now um, that are real, honest and genuine, um, that I am able to shift that. You know, so, yeah. And then, uh, like, it's not, I am a bit of, I I think I'm a bit unusual. Like, I'm lucky enough to have the confidence of self and the um, tools that I need to be able to um, have these conversations and be an educator on this topic in this space. Mm-hmm. Um, but absolutely, it's not the responsibility of every gender diverse person to educate and advocate for themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just happen to be in a situation where I have the capacity to do so, and so I do. Uh, partially because, um, uh, largely because, um, I'm hugely grateful for the um, the things that the people who came before me did and fought for to to make a space where I was able to start on my journey and um, it's incredibly, that impact has never been lost on me Mm. and if I can have an opportunity to pass that on to the next generation, that's hugely important and worthwhile doing. And so if I can, by having these conversations, mean that someone else doesn't have to deal with it, then that's awesome. That's amazing. Worthwhile. Well, um, I really... I, you might have already brushed on this, but 
It seems like all of these conversations make you really excited. What else about what work you're doing at the moment makes you like excited or like really itching to get out of bed in the morning? Um, I think that that's um, this sort of stuff. Um, as I started to affirm my gender, I became much more um, engaged politically and in- aware of of that. And so um, I keep finding myself finding a bigger and bigger passion for social justice issues. Hmm. Um, I um, have found myself in a situation where I've um, been at a few um, protests here and there, yelling, making big shouty speeches at Mm -hmm. um, big protest events in Newcastle, which I've absolutely loved. So I love doing sort of stuff in that space and um, not sure where it's going to land me yet, but Mm. just keep doing it and keep making spaces, educating people and... You know, there's this book which talks about the experience of a academic, and this academic's um, had gender affirming um, experiences, and it's basically saying how she would present papers, uh, and the audience or like the feedback which she would get would be like, "Oh, her work's not as good as her brother's work," and it's like that's the same person. Oh my god. Yeah. So it's really comparing the experiences between um, how people, oh, it's called the authority gap, is it's the perceived authority of like being a man that you say things and it has gravity. And so it's basically saying how the same person, the same work, the same academic, same amount of experience, one has more authority than the other. Uh, I can absolutely attest to this. Yeah, cool. Um, Unfortunately, part of it is. Um, I can attest to this also partially because of how I find myself moving in spaces and speaking into spaces mm-hmm. and speaking in meetings um, because I was, you know, like when I first moved uh, working in tech um, in that sort of more corporate world, I was known as Mr. Arden Cassie, which was an interesting time. <laughs> um, like the job application had like a um, section that said preferred name and I was like, well, I guess I'll put Arden. That's yeah. fine. Mm. And then, uh, but didn't like explain that Arden because pronouns were she, her, and I was still terrified of committing to that and the implications of that. And so it was basically Mr. Arden Cassie for about three or four months till I got past probation. I was like, oh, it's safe now. I can do it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so um, being in that space and growing up, let's say, pretending to be a man Mm. or expecting to be treated as a man um, meant that um, the way I find myself speaking now is in a way that I expect to be listened to. Mm. (laughs) Like I don't don't leave space for people to um, devalue or ignore what I have to say. Yeah. So I'll often find myself in spaces in speaking as if I expect to be listened to and heard and respected in a way that is can be quite authoritative. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you find the perception of that way that you um, speak has changed since then? Like the typical, like, oh, she's bossy or he's got leadership skills. Um, I think what happened was that um, as I started coming out and affirming my gender more publicly, um, I started finding myself in spaces where. I felt unsafe for the first time. Mm. Like I remember waiting for a bus um, on the side of the road at like 11 o'clock at night, which was pretty late admittedly. 
Uh, and I remember standing on the side of this major road that was well lit and went, and I felt, I was like, oh, I'm in danger. Yeah. Mm. And I'd never felt that waiting for a bus ever in my life. And then it occurred to me that the reason I felt unsafe was because I was in this space and I was specifically now a woman. Mm. Yeah. And I was like, oh, if I was still pretending to be a man and doing that whole thing, like I wouldn't have thought twice about being in this space. Mm-hmm. And that has started to, as I, because I was like, I thought I was one of those good guys. I was like, oh, I understand about like gender bias and misogyny and all this. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, one of, I'm, not, I'm not one of those guys. I'm one of the good guys, you know. And, but it wasn't until I experienced that, um, that gender divide in such that stark way that I didn't fully comprehend and that rocked my world. Yeah. I totally turned it upside down. I was like, oh, whoa, this it's bigger than I had imagined it was. Yeah. We have um, oh, yeah, go, we go. have mentioned before that it is really hard to imagine what that experience is like until you've lived it. Um, I know that the the good guy thing is almost frustrating because I've had people that are very um, up with gender diversity in tech and I've been having conversations about my experiences as a woman in the workplace and they've said oh no I don't think that's it or I don't I don't think that's to do with your gender and it feels really invalidating because mm. it's like well this is something that I've experienced a lot and I've like reflected on it a lot so I'm so sure that it is and to just dismiss me out of hand for an experience they've never had to live is always really frustrating which I find I find it really interesting Mm. because it's another fun factoid for you is (laughs) that um um gender diverse people are significantly overrepresented in the tech space Mm-hmm. Go tech. Like, like, <laughs> actually, um, to the point of like, it's actually a meme. Yeah. <laughs> of like, like, oh, you're a trans, you're a trans woman, you're a trans girl. Do you? Oh, and you have knee high socks. Oh, are you a programmer by any chance? <laughs> like, it's it's a full on running joke in the trans community about trans women programmers. Do you think it's that, um, and I mentioned this in the previous podcast, which is a previous podcast now, I've got my timelines right, um, (laughs) that there's like a a critical mass of people who are trans and that makes it much more comfortable of an environment? Um, I I think it's very easy to get into chicken or egg arguments. (laughs) Um, I think it, um, um, by by percentage, um, um, gender diverse people are significantly more likely to be um, autistic or on mm. the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, autistic people are also significantly more likely to be gender diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, people who happen to be autistic are significantly more likely to be working in tech yeah. because uh, neurodivergent people, for some reason or another, speak fluent computer in a way that we like other rules. people may not be able to. <laughs> um, and so you sort of have this sort of circle around. Yeah. Um, and But also... Tech managed to has managed to build itself up as this um, this space that is seen to be progressive. Yeah. And so, because it's seen to be progressive, then if you're looking for if you're a person who might be a marginalised person and looking for a workplace that is perhaps safe, mm-hmm. then you're drawn to the workplace that is progressive. And so, and on the cycle continues. 
Is it um, appealing to look at moving back into tech? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of really cool stuff that I um, really enjoyed when I was working in the tech space, um, like the puzzles, problem solving and all those things. And just making stuff that's cool and helping people make tech work for them. Yeah. Like there's so many people who I think – often find themselves fighting against technology mm. and sometimes they just need someone to come along and give them a bits and pieces they need to be able to make their technology make their technology work for them and not against them and i really really enjoy that it's kind of a nice marrying of the fact that you are a teacher and also someone that's very technically capable so yeah. why not combine those two skills that you've developed over time to help people use technology in the best way. I find myself in a position where I'm often, like even now, the go-to uh, tech person in my current workplace, um, where I find myself um, taking complex concepts and distilling them down and repackaging them in a way that um, other people can understand them, yeah. um, whether they need to understand it for this reason or that reason or whether it's about this technical concept or this technical concept doesn't really matter. The process is still the same. Mm. Um, you just, you just I just am used to adjusting for my given audience for the given content. So, yeah, I, I find myself doing that a lot and I really enjoy it and it's a very happy space for me to be because I'm just like, I'm just talking about my special interest here. <laughs> you do the thing here and then, oh, this thing sort of works more like this and all of a sudden I find myself personifying like little post-it functions and this computer here, well, he wants to do this and, you know, like I end up telling it like it's a storybook or something. Yeah. And it just seems to work. <laughs> you mentioned that you had um, ADHD. Do you think that that helps like – I know that I have ADHD and I like tech because it's new and there's always something else to focus on and it keeps me interested. Do you experience something similar? Is it something of there's always something novel in tech that you there's, can look at? No day was ever the same for yeah. me when I was in my pre when especially near the end of my tech gig, like no day was the same. Like one day I'm on the phone talking to a customer about their big giant upgrade project. The next day I'm doing the upgrade project. The next day I'm sitting down giving them training on a different person entirely in a different part of the country and giving them training how to get the most out of their their software product. And the next day I'm giving them training on how to patch the system <laughs> or back up the database or restore the database mm. or do a, a live to test production to test environment copy. And then the next day I'm... Um, trying to work out why these two servers don't behave properly and talk to each other properly and turns out it's because one hasn't been connected to the DNS properly and it's not got the right time. It's ah, a classic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, like yeah. there's always something different going on um, and there's always a puzzle around the corner going on or some sort of surprise and you go, oh, no, that customer formatted C drive again. <laughs> not quite that bad, but, you know, like... Every now and then customers do catastrophic things that they shouldn't do because sometimes a little bit of knowledge is dangerous. Mm, yeah, you know, and so then you find yourself coming in as the, I don't know, like the emergency tech person to get it, get it back up and running because the big, giant, massive ERP that 
the entire business needs to be operational for people to do their work is currently down and non-functional and well the server may as well be on fire <laughs> you know and you, you find yourself the last line of defense we'll get it up and running i, I promise everything's on mm, fire but yeah, it's okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we love newcastle because of the tech community um, I'm interested what your journey in terms of locations has been. Like, are you still Newcastle Hunter region based? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I grew up um, just down the road in Lake Macquarie. Mm. Go uh, Lake Mac. Yeah, Lake Mac. <laughs> Except I moved out of Lake Mac um, around about when I um, around about the same time when I started affirming my gender and started mo- started working in tech, and I went well. This uh, one-hour commute kind of sucks. Mm. What if I lived closer t- to where I work? Such a novel concept. <laughs> yeah. Um, if I don't drive an hour. <laughs> yeah, that was so that was 2019. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> what if I don't drive an hour to work and then, um, yeah, and then 2020 happened and all of a sudden it was, what if I don't drive to work at all? <laughs> at all. <laughs> Whoa. And started working out of my one bedroom apartment. That was a time, mm. like, like like it was for everyone. Let's be honest. Um, and then, but like so ever since then, like I've every day I've been in Newcastle, I fall in love with this city more and more. Like I mm. truly, truly mean that. Um, like especially like for me, like hanging around, like um, going for like a run or a walk or a roller skate down near the the foreshore on the the break wall. Especially around sunset, that is so magic. And every time, I just, I just catch myself like, God, I love this place. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's in, if it's in the middle of the day, if it's in nighttime, and all the lights are all pretty, like, and like, I, I'm, I am, I grew up in the country, but I'm a city girl. I like being <laughs> near the action, and there's always something to do. Yeah. Last weekend, I was playing a gig, um, you know, or. All sorts of other bits and pieces going on. You know, I got into roller derby. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Nice and local. But, yeah, no. I Newcastle's awesome and I live in Newcastle now and I'm just, yeah, no, I'm very, very happy. Yeah, Go Newcastle. Yeah. Newcastle. Which is weird. I could never have imagined um, I'd ever be chanting that, but here I am. <laughs> Takes us all by my, surprise. My, my father <laughs> will be so disappointed in me. He's such an avid Queensland um, mm. supporter and now I'm going yeah Newcastle <laughs> oh. sorry dad if you're listening football team but we've got a good heart no no we mm. won a, they won a grand final a, a few years back oh true I don't I was like, follow football I can't so. remember oh, yeah, no, I, I was like 10 maybe <laughs> yeah <laughs> a few years back <laughs> um, so what advice and this might be a big question but what advice would you give your younger self if you could and anyone that's going down a similar journey to you, either personally or professionally. Hmm. Oh, <laughs> you were you were right. This is a big question. Mm. Um, I'll try and uh, let me see if I can get it like brief and efficient for you. That's um, it. If you like time traveled back and you were like, well, this is a weird I've thing, got right? two minutes. What do I say? Like, I don't know if I would say much. Mm. Like I think it would. I'd, I have to just boil it down to it's going to be okay. Yeah. Which because like I could spend a lot of time. I could spend a lot of time where I am now and looking back and feeling sorry for myself or regretting steps not taken or not taking steps to affirm my gender 
when I did, or I could say, hey, you maybe you shouldn't pursue this particular career path because it's not going to work out for you or X, Y, Z regrets. But I've come to a point now where I accept that um, like, hang on, I had it and then I've lost it. ADHD is great sometimes. I know that feeling. <laughs> um, yeah, so I could I could regret all those things and choices not made, or I can accept the fact that um, that 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 journey I went on was what I had to go go through to get to here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like if I time travel back and went, hey, yo, by the way, um, you're trans, and in this many years you're gonna come out and. Um, your life's going to be amazing. I would have punched them in the face. I wouldn't believe you. Mm. Like, I, I probably wasn't that aggressive, but you know, like it's just. <laughs> also, I couldn't be told um, who I was. Yeah. That was something that I had to work out on my own. Like I came out to my wife, and she's like, "Yeah, I know." Mm. Almost like like that moment in like this Star Wars film. I love you. I know. <laughs> you know, it was a little bit like that. Like she knew I was who I was before I was ready to be able to put it into words. Mm. And so I have to actually accept the fact that although it took me a long time to work it out, it took me the amount of time that it, that I needed. Yeah. Like I needed that long to get to that point. I had to work through all of that stuff to get to the point, that point where I was ready to take that step. Mm. And much the same as I am now. Like I've had to work through the stuff and do take make those choices that I've made to get to the point where I am able to be here now and be the person that I am now and do the things that I'm hugely passionate about. And I'm also incredibly grateful for the experiences and the lessons I've learned along the way. Yeah, they sucked and they're super painful. Like, yeah, who wants some free trauma? <laughs> but, um, like, I don't wish that upon anyone, but let alone myself, but I'm so grateful for what I've learned along the way and what I've been able to take from that and um, continue to grow myself into the next version of me and take that and learn and go, oh, well, let's let's go and do this thing and let's learn how to do this thing. Like it's just it's all part of the fun. It's good yeah. for the plot. It's what one <laughs> of my friends told me and yes. I thought, wow, that's really inspirational. Like this sucks at the moment, but gee, it's got to be good for the plot. <laughs> <laughs> just wish it wouldn't wouldn't be so difficult all the time. Yeah. You know, like sometimes you go, look, just just every now and then it'd be really nice to have a break. <laughs> you know, can I just like have a have a holiday where like nothing bad is going on in my life for a bit? No. Just no, there's always something to like <laughs> there's always something you're working on and always something that's going on in your life. Like mm. this is kinda how it goes. But mm. I, I love the uh it's all gonna be okay. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty okay. it's been amazing to have you on the podcast today so thanks for being here oh thank you it's it's been so awesome to uh, meet another Arden yeah that's right (laughs) that's been awesome it's a first for both of us (laughs) uh so we have an Instagram now follow us on there okay what's your Instagram (laughs) uh everyone belongs in tech with underscores in between the words Okay, so yeah. it's not everyone belongs in tech with underscores. It's everything <laughs> underscore belongs underscore 
That's Amy it. underscore tech. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I thought that was too long, so I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> I'll just be, I'll be at home. I'll be home searching. Everyone belongs in tech with underscore. <laughs> <laughs> we also have a LinkedIn. We do. We have we, a LinkedIn. We we love LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn because I'm from a recruitment agency. Yeah. So, and I'm usually the it's, one it's, posting it's, on it. Because that was a real shock to the system when I moved from teaching to corporate. Yeah. I was like, everyone seems to be in this LinkedIn thing. This is weird. But yeah. Before I worked at the recruitment agency, I was like. LinkedIn is dumb. Ew. And now I'm like, LinkedIn is dumb, but I love it. <laughs> hey, LinkedIn is like how I found you again, Sarah. I know. So yeah, really, thank you, like you knew each other before here? Well, we, yeah, we met each other um, at a startup accelerator that Sarah was. My previous job. Job. And I mm. was with the startup before I worked there. So What a gig. Yeah, I know. Yeah. What a time. And now you're here doing yeah. a podcast. Yeah. Um, We've got the LinkedIn. <laughs> we digress. We've also got the meetup. <laughs> yep. Uh, which you can RSVP to our upcoming events. Uh, Fantastic. What else do we have, Sarah? A Slack channel. A Slack channel. Uh, and Ooh. also, please. You guys do work in tech. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we love Slack. <laughs> <laughs> please review um, this episode if you enjoyed it. Maybe um, don't if you don't. Yeah, leave yeah. it. No, leave us a good review. <laughs> yeah, that's review, it. That's what nice. people say. Um, and I'm leaving the. Um, parting words to you, Sarah. <laughs> ADHD breaker. Bye-bye. Well, <laughs> ADHD breaker. <laughs> um, yeah, have a, have a great day, everybody. Unless it's night time when you're listening to this, then too bad. Bye. <laughs> We're both sitting cross-legged, which I've realised is how you've been sitting, and yeah. I thought that was really comfortable. This is not a is good outro, really but <laughs> I always sit cross-legged. Apparently, the, the it's chairs a, are really nice colour. I yeah. like them. Like yeah. apparently, it's a neurally diverse thing. You can't sit normally on a chair. Um, I, I saw a meme about that, and I was like, thing. "Oh no!" I don't know what that's like. It is also that. <laughs> it's it's like, also, are you queer? It's, it's Can an, you not it's sit? It's an ADHD thing as well as the other one. Yeah, maybe they're all just everything. Because that also apparently. <laughs> also, you two both were smart and wore pants, so oh, I'd yes. join you, but uh, alas, <laughs> I think that fashion every time. comes first.